Hi, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of Mike Check on Sports. I'm Steve Napolitani. I work in the sports television industry, and I know I'm not alone when I say we are all missing the world of sports right now. I send everyone good vibes during this difficult time. I'm very lucky to be healthy and home with my family, but I do miss my sports family. There are so many great people in the business, and I thought this podcast would serve as a great platform for you to get to know the people behind the mic a little better. We are going one-on-one with America's sports broadcasters. Okay, it's time now to welcome in the first ever guest of Mike Check on Sports. He is the captain of our travel group. He is a guy's guy. He is the youngest captain in Rangers history, and he's the only guy I know that can listen to music, play a game of hearts, and also do a game of Sudoku all at the same time. <laughs> and it's Dave Maloney. Dave, thanks for coming on. <laughs> it's my pleasure, Steve. Uh, you know, I'm not sure what uh, that all says, uh, and I'm not sure I do any of those particular things very well, but... Uh, uh, I suppose uh, we all find our way to kind of plot through things, and uh, we're certainly at a time where uh, that has to be the case, right? I mean, it's an interesting time, and um, unfortunately, we are chatting the way we are as opposed to working together on the network and the Rangers and stuff like that, but at the end of the day, I suppose we'll all find our way to get through it, and we'll be back to normalcy and uh, look back and learn from all the experiences that we're going through. That's very true. We should be in Buffalo right now getting ready for a Sunday afternoon matinee against the Sabres. Yeah, right. But instead we're here. And so what are you doing with your time, Dave? Well, I, I think like everyone, we're kind of set, uh, uh, set in a, a routine. Uh, you know, lots of uh, – I usually get up in the morning and I have a couple papers delivered to the house. I'm, of that generation where I still actually read the uh, physical paper. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I go through that, and that's where I get my news and updates. And I, I find that even in times of normalcy, uh, I'm not a big, um, you know, watch the Foxes or the CNNs or or even the sports channels, in all honesty. I, I'd rather read about things and form my own kind of opinions rather than being yelled at most of the time. And uh, so I settle in, and then uh, we've set up a little bit of a gym uh, downstairs in our basement. And uh, my youngest son, uh, Decker, graduated from the University of Michigan uh, last spring, and he was a lacrosse player there. So he has numerous little programs that he's put my wife Alex and himself uh, on. And... Uh, so we usually get that in, and as the weather has warmed up, I've gotten out for a couple of bike rides and mm-hmm. uh, and, and things like that. So uh, lots of reading, and um, and as I say, social distancing is not a concept that I'm totally unfamiliar with because <laughs> I do <laughs> I do like my time on my own and uh, things like that, but. Uh, all in all, um, the longer this goes, I think we really do recognize that, uh, you know, being uh, socially in touch uh, is kind of a part of the human experience, too. So all in all, we find ways and uh, we're hunkered down in our house. We all have uh, found ways to, to create our own little space when we need it. And it's worked out great so far. That's great. Any binge watching of any sort? Well, I've watched, uh, there's uh, The Pharmacist is a Netflix thing that uh, my daughter, it's only four episodes, so I'm three into that. Uh, Ken Burns' um, documentary on the Vietnam War, which was in concert with PBS, of um, watching that. And, uh, but really not uh, as far as watching my uh, Decker and Alex are into The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. And, you know, I tried to watch that. My head starts spinning. So, um, <laughs> so uh, although 
I only did watch uh, episode four, I think, last night. So, yeah, we find ways, find ways to, uh, to occupy, that's for sure. Very nice. So uh, we spend a lot of time right. on the road together and right. talking about life and family. And, right. you know, there's a lot we know about each other and our lives and everything. But I figure this would be a good opportunity for, for not only me, but other people kind of get to know you a little better. And uh-huh. growing up uh-huh. in Lindsay, Ontario, you had a gaggle of brothers and sisters. <laughs> kind of tell us, what, what was it like growing up there? Well, it was, it was, first of all, I'm the oldest of seven, right? And my youngest sister, Rosemary, is 15 years younger than I am. So there's quite a gap between uh, the oldest and the youngest. Uh, and really, my brother Bob, Don, and I always say I was born in July of 56. Bob was uh, born in August of 57, and Don was September of 58. <laughs> and my sister Janet was October of uh, 60. And it's all oh. right. You know, you're like, Dad, will you leave her alone, please? <laughs> Just... <laughs> but the four of us then there was a bit of a gap of five years so the first four uh well particularly the three boys and you know we weren't we weren't chanty irish but we were of irish descent and there was sibling fighting and uh arguing and and i often tell the story uh with this was later on in life i was 15 and my brother bob was 14 and we were doing the dishes and we got in a scrap and my mother uh ended up uh whacking us both with the broom and after we're all said and done i went to my mom and i said there's something i think i hurt my thumb i think she said well you better get on your bike and go to the hospital then so (laughs) i I got on my bike went to the hospital and sure enough my thumb was broken so she eventually had to come and sign the papers but uh that was when uh because kind of the formative years we were on a farm we started with one cow and ended up with enough to have milking machines and stuff and and while i certainly think i look back more fondly than reality was at those times um but those cows had to be milked twice a day 365 days a year and and uh, you know there's a certain work ethic a i i think i do um think I don't know consciously, Steve, whether it was, you know, I, I can't do this the rest of my life. I got to figure out something else or, uh, or something like that. But uh, I wouldn't be the first Canadian of, of farming background that would eventually end up in the National Hockey League. So all in all those experiences, um, I'm, we weren't poor, uh, I, I don't think, in a lot of things, but we certainly weren't wealthy. But I think in the important things when it comes to honesty and working hard and treating people with respect and mm-hmm. uh, all those things where really my mother and father did a good job because by and large, the seven of us are all now kind of uh, moved on in life. And uh, I believe we're all kind of contributing and things like that. So it's all good. That, that's great. And you mentioned <clears throat> hockey and all that. Is there a point when you knew you kind of had the, the it factor, you know, to, to take it to the next level with your hockey? Not, Steve, not really i always you know i always played and then i was good enough to continue to play and don't be shy yeah no no i i really don't i, I mean my my parents never never consciously and I, you know i'm sure i'm not the first person to remember i remember when i was you know early in grade school i asked what i wanted to be when i grew up and i wanted to be a hockey player and and then sister mary vincent or whoever said no well really what do you want to be when you grow up so i put down like a gas man or a taxi driver or something <laughs> <like that. laughs> you know? um but uh you know, I, I i think all along i was just fortunate enough to to really play and i never had to be 
I've never had to be pushed or shoved to practice. I never had to. Um, and in those days, it was really a seasonal sport. Uh, you know, we played from uh, end of October till into March, mm-hmm. early April. Uh, I played baseball. I played soccer and uh, uh, stuff like that in the off season, or you know, during the summer. And and so it really, really, honestly, till I. My second year of junior, when um, you know I, I would eventually get drafted out of that this second is in year Kitchener? junior, yeah, in Kitchener with the Kitchener Rangers. Was, mm-hmm. I remember in the spring of that year, the spring of 1974, the World Hockey was a competing league, um, and they had approached us, uh, approached us. You know, would I be interested in? It was the Vancouver Blazers, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, would I sign? Would be interested in? Would I sign a contract with them? And I remember my attorney at the time saying, let's just wait to see what the NHL uh, is up to. So it was probably about then. They were like, well, well it looks like I'm going to head to the next level at some point. So, <laughs> but I really did. I I, you know, I did. I, I loved playing. Um, I was fortunate mm-hmm. to work at Bobby Orr's camp. I went mm-hmm. to his summer camp as a 12-year-old and that following winter, got a letter uh, that I uh, it was addressed to my father. I'll never forget that I steam open to see what that was all about, and they were offering me a uh, <laughs> offering me a, me a job as a junior counselor uh, at the camp. Uh, so I think developmentally, those summers spent there, a it kept us out of a lot of trouble, kept mm-hmm. me out of a lot of trouble. Um, but you know, we skated every night and it was just a really healthy environment. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, so I think, you know, those little stages, steps along the way ended up where they ended up. And, you know, my life, I owe an awful lot of uh, what I've been able to do, raise a family the way we've been raised and, and, and through, you know, the starts with hockey. So it's, uh, I will always be proud of, uh, of that part of my journey. It was all good. And you mentioned the NHL, 1974, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and then the draft comes for the NHL. Right. What do you What do you remember about it? Did you go to it? Who were you no, with? No. Uh, yeah. No. I was. I, I. There were a couple things that I, I. I remember. I remember the day of the draft. My uh, a, uh, attorney. Um, he. There were six of his clients. I think six or six of us were taken in the first round eventually, and he had a little reception in Toronto. Uh, I was living with him in Kitchener at that time. Uh, that's as I said before. That's where I played junior. My mm-hmm. family moved there when I was fourteen, fifteen. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, I was on my way to that reception, um, driving in my dad's Ranchero <laughs> <laughs> uh, car, and I heard on the radio that I was drafted, um, you know, taken by the Rangers. So um, it was certainly different then um, than it, what it would become. Uh, and, uh, and that's really, you know, my experience. And I remember thinking I had gotten a call. Uh, I hadn't gotten, my mother had taken a call. Um, my father was a construction, you know, mm-hmm. he built, it was a, a small construction company with his brother, um, when we moved off the farm. Uh, and so dad was on the road often a lot different job sites and and mom had fielded a call a couple of days before the draft they got a call from the Bruins um, wondering would I contemplate turning pro if I, I was drafted by the Bruins and as it would turn out I, I um, New York had a pick before the Bruins so I was either going to uh, Boston 
Montreal or Chicago had expressed an interest also. Mm. And um, this was through after the fact through my attorney, uh, who was privy to a lot of things then. Um, and I often wondered how life would have turned out had it gone, you know, any differently. Right. And, and it's only wonder. I don't regret at all how it's turned out. But I had a junior teammate, Rick Chartrard, won four cups with uh, Montreal. That might have mm. been kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, <know>? maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and then playing with Bobby Orr in Boston might have been kind of cool too, <laughs> but I don't regret. You know, like I say, I, I, I played with great players and certainly have enjoyed New York. So that's uh, you know that's that's as a seventeen-year-old. That's my draft story. And, and the final part of that is I remember, you know, I used to, you know, the junior schedule was pretty aggressive. Mm -hmm. uh, you know. It was, like a mini pro league, and I was 15, 16, 17. Uh, and, but I went to school. I went to St. Jerome's High School, and I actually went. I went to class and, uh, and found some teachers, uh, you know, either respected that. Others didn't, wouldn't give me a break. But I remember an English teacher. I had a, um, I had a project due, and I basically plagiarized my best buddy's, uh, <laughs> what he wrote in the, in the, first, <laughs> in the first semester. <laughs> It was a critique of Jonathan Livingston Seagull, believe it or not. And to this day, he's one of my two best pals from high school. And he got like a B on the paper. I got like an A+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> and it was that is tremendous. That, that English teacher who wouldn't give me the time of day. Now, all of a sudden, I was heading to, you know, the Canadian culture, an existence that didn't come easily to many. So, all that was all part of the experience. Great stuff. And then, you know, talk about 1974. Now it's December of 74. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. make your NHL debut. Mm -hmm. What do you remember about it? Where yeah. was the game? The game was at Madison Square Garden. I played in the fall, coming out of camp, Ron Greshner and I. We were both sent to Providence um, out of main camp. And then shortly thereafter, he would end up in New York. Uh, but I did play an exhibition game against Detroit at the uh, garden and Gresh had spent the pre parts of the previous summer in New York. His uh, agent at the time was out of New York. So he was a little bit savvier. Certainly. I don't know how savvy a guy from good soil Saskatchewan could be, <laughs> but he was certainly, he was certainly more savvier and he was a couple years older than I was. Right. Mm -hmm. So I remember uh, we had dropped off at uh, Madison square garden. We, they flew, you know, took a plane from Providence up to uh, up to Kennedy, and I remember coming down uh, the, the Long Island Expressway just before the Midtown Tunnel, where they, there's a big cemetery there. And I go, "Holy cow! Look how big that cemetery is!" <laughs> you know. So we were dropped off on Seventh Avenue in front of the garden with no idea where to go, and uh, we were asked by the, you know, we asked somebody eventually seemed to know uh, we had to go around to the side and then take the elevator up to the fifth floor and I'm like fifth floor <laughs> the, the rink is on the fifth floor <laughs> yeah sure enough the rink was on the fifth floor of the building and and uh, so that was in the fall so by the time I got back I got called up it was against Minnesota mm -hmm. there were a number of in injuries uh, and uh, you know I played against the North Stars on the Wednesday night and then played against the Bruins on Thursday night so it was back to back uh, I got my I ended up playing I think four games uh, but those are the only two that I remember mm -hmm. um, 
being my first ones. My parents were uh, came in and went from New York to Boston, and and I do remember then going because I was a Leaf fan as a kid. But when Bobby Orr came along, I became a Bruin fan, and I I remember my first impressions of the Boston Garden weren't great. You know, <laughs> <laughs> bit of a dump. The garden was kind of uh, you know certainly a more modern building and. Uh, and stuff like that. So I think I got an assist my first game, and um, you know it was all good stuff. So you come up when you're 18, and then eventually when mm-hmm. you do come up for good. Like I never asked you, where did you live? Did you have roommates? Did you have to stay with like a like a billet family? Like a, like a- yeah, no, there weren't billets, Steve, at the time. Um, I remember. Well, I certainly had the first experience of living on my own in Providence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Gresh and I had uh, an apartment, and then mm-hmm. Gresh got called up so um it was uh, you know so i did eventually have an older an older guy he was 25 uh, john wright uh, uh came to live with uh, we lived together but and then when we got to new york it just hunkered down with uh, uh so in so i was finally called up what that have been in the um, 76 was my first thing I called up for good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I bunked in with an old veteran, uh, Doug Jarrett. Uh, was a defenseman. He had an extra room in the back of a little house. So the Rangers were practicing in Long Beach then, and Long mm-hmm. Beach in the winter was a, a, a fairly deserted town. Uh, there were only beach people and um, airline personnel because of mm-hmm. its access to. And most of the people, we would rent these little homes from people who went south in the winter. Mm-hmm. So Jarrett had been there, so they put me in there, and I was in a back room, and he used to howl at full moons. He was a different, uh, was a different <laughs> character. <laughs> so I was hunkered down in the back, going, oh, my God, what is going on out there? Um, so that's how it worked. And then eventually, uh, you know, I would get rent a place on my own, and um, that first year of... Um, no, it wouldn't have been my first year. Anyway, I ended up working room with Donnie Murdoch and then uh, eventually on her own. So, uh, you know, a youngster, there was no billeting. Um, you were basically on your own. Hmm. I remember, you know, I remember when I went to Providence, I didn't know what a, che- you know, I, never, I had never had a checking account or, right. <laughs> I, you know, setting all that up. My first rent check, I just went to, to the bank and, and got a money order to pay for my rent and then they set me out of the checking account so and i you know literally i just turned 18 i'd gone from you know catholic uh, boys school and gray flannels a blue shirt and a gray vest uh, to now living in providence rhode island in 1974 on my own basically so it was but i wouldn't i wouldn't honestly i would not change any of the experiences it was great yeah it grew pretty quick yeah yeah it's good stuff i you know again i really to this day, kind of enjoy my independence and uh, my ability, uh, you know, to, to figure things out. So it was all part of growing up. Yeah, and Dave is still the guy who will just roam around a city when we get there. And, <laughs> yeah. and you might just run into him in some place. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do like exploring and I do like getting out. And uh, that's what I say. If I get back to what we talk about, the social distancing. Mm-hmm. I think, geez, a lot of my... Uh, you know, I'll go, you know, just on my own and figure things out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I do, yeah, I do enjoy our company and our crew. And, uh, you know, it, it, when I come to think of it, Steve, uh, you know, the crew I've been with, now we've been together a better part of 15 years. Mm-hmm. And that's the longest I've ever been with one 
even my own family I left when I was 14. So wow, the MSG uh, crew was basically the group that I've been together consistently the longest time of my life. So it's been great. Wow, yeah. It's certainly like a second family. Yeah, right. And getting back to your playing days, you become the right, captain, right. youngest captain in 1978. Right. I mean, did you know what that meant? Was it a natural fit for you? Like, I mean, that's captain of the New York Rangers. I mean. Well, you know, that role has morphed more in infamy as time has gone on. Uh, and, and for the Ranger franchise, of course, when you speak of, you know, Mark Messier, that, you know, he might have represented the epitome of, of, of the lore and the different things. And, and I'd always been you know, a leader, that sort of thing, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I'd been captain of, you know, teams when I was a kid and, like, at school and different bus leaders and stuff like that. So I'd always, I'd always kind of been that. Maybe it was, you know, it was, it was, I was the oldest of my, you know, my siblings and things like that. So... I remember Fred Sherrill uh, pulled me aside. There was a Ranger uh, sponsors luncheon at the Rytown Hilton. Mm -hmm. um, and he pulled me aside and said, we're, we're going to make you captain. And we're like, okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but I had good, uh, you know, Freddie was a little bit distant. Mm -hmm. um, but I had good mentors in, in JD and, and uh, Phil, Carol Vadney. Uh, Walter Kachuk, um, you know, there was a good mix of that group. There was a good mix of youth and and veteran that, you know, was that would, would turn out to be the cup run of that season. So, um, I not, I never never expected. It had no no real inkling. I just you know acted the way I normally felt and, mm -hmm. and ended up. And here we are, forty some year, odd year. Uh, years later i'm still milking that captaincy thing and, and i call you it all the time that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's uh you know a very small part of the history of the franchise and uh and uh I'm really quite proud to have uh, had that experience then fast forward december of 1984 you get traded to buffalo mm -hmm. was right. that were you shocked is it kind of what you expected was there rumors there had been rumors, like the trade deadline as time, even in my career, went on. I do remember it becoming more uh, of a factor, you know, uh, only because I think as you age, you become a little more vulnerable to that part of the business, right? Mm -hmm. You come up when you're young, you're part of the future, and then you, you get yourself established, and then you get, uh, you know, you get to be a little more... Um, you know, vulnerable to that part of your career. And I always never, ever thought, my thing was if Bobby York couldn't finish as a Bruin, uh, then who the hell were the rest of us to think that, you know, we were any greater than that. So um, I wasn't overly shocked. Um, Herb Brooks and I had had our, as time went on, had uh, our differences in opinion. And all I will say is, I played for Herb, and at that certain stage, um, you know, you've gone, my whole life I've been told how, how good I was, right? Mm -hmm. And I never, you know, never contemplated the fact that I would ever get benched or healthy scratch, but uh, that would become uh, an issue with Herb. So he and I kind of fell out, and then I got traded to Buffalo, 
And Scotty Bowman was another guy that ultimately what I would say at, at that time at 27, 26, 27, 28, 29, I thought they were both idiots, right? <laughs> and then it wasn't long before I realized the one guy coached maybe the greatest hockey, you know, um, deal in history and the win of the 80 Olympics. And Scotty Bowman would end up with... I don't know, 12 cups in various ways, shapes, or form. I think maybe I was the idiot. <laughs> you know, those guys might have known what they were doing. So, uh, so that, so the trade to Buffalo, I remember the, the thing that was most uh, lingering was the ride. I got, um, I usually got to the rink earlier than a lot of the guys, mm -hmm. uh, just, you know, a habit or whatever. And I got called up to Craig Patrick's office and he, he told me and uh, that I was going to trade it to Buffalo, and and I remember thinking, okay, I hope it's at least a recognizable name and not future considerations or twelve sticks or something right. like that. <laughs> Bag of pucks. <laughs> yeah, right. And, uh, and sure enough, I recognized the names. Of course, uh, James Patrick was actually a good friend, so his brother Steve. I was a bit of a mentor to James as he came in, and and uh, Jim Weimer was a defenseman that I recognized. So uh, Norm McIver and I went in that deal, and and then I remember getting. I'll tell you one other story. I know I'm probably rambling on here. No, no. Uh, I was going to so, ask you what happens when you first get traded when you first get to a city. Well, the thing there's there's a couple things in memory. I remember coming back down to the room. By that time, the the, the team had gone on the ice to practice, and. Um, I just left a message on the board that we'll see in the, you know, in Buffalo, um, I'll, you know, I'll buy the wings and beer when you come to town. And, uh, um, and then the next day, so that was a Thursday. Um, we had played the night before in Calgary and then, um, Friday morning early, I fly to Buffalo mm -hmm. and I go downstairs. And in those days you were basically on your own. I wasn't sure how I was eventually I'm sure I was going to take a cab to the rink or whatever, right. but who meets me at the baggage carousel is Scotty. Hmm. And um, so I'll never forget, um, he, he said, come on, we'll jump in the car. And he's driving along, he's not saying a whole lot, right? Which, um, but he said, listen, I have to stop at my, um, at my house to pick something up before we go to practice. Right. I'm like, Okay, <laughs> he said, uh, you know, listen, why don't you come in? Uh, I got to make, I have to make a phone call. Um, I said, All right, so I go in, and he said, listen, my office is over there. Why don't you, you know, just wait for me in the office? And so I go into his office, and he has a replica of the five cups he won uh, with Montreal. Huh. And I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> you know. So as I would find out, one of the methods to the madness of Scotty Bowman was not so much the X's and O's, it's just how he a managed or even manipulated people and their right. emotions. And I had certainly a, a tag at that time of being a pretty emotional player, uh, emotional guy. And and I, I to this day believe without having asked Scotty, and I've had numerous conversations with him, and maybe the next time I will, whether he purposely put me in that room knowing that that would get me. And, um, and it did. I walked out of there going, wow, 
this guy, uh, you know. So we went off to practice, and uh, I very quickly realized that there were very many different ways to approach this game where uh, Herb was a very clinical X's and O's and drill guy. Um, Scotty's practices were pretty simple, mm-hmm. and uh, he just, his magic was getting the players in the same mindset. Uh, whether it was they all hated him and were motivated to play as well as he did or just that they wanted. And he always had the best play. You know, he had the right players out at the right time of the ice. And, mm-hmm. and Herb was a one. Herb's systems were wonderful uh, for a guy that liked to skate and handle the puck. So so that was, you know, the difference of the two and off to Buffalo. But then I found out as it became less of a, of a factor, uh, that, uh, you know what, maybe it was time to march on, and I would only finish that season in Buffalo and mm-hmm. march on again. And then after that, did a various various things from radio, did some TV with Fox, and mm-hmm. you worked in the finance industry. Yeah, I, yeah I, 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 so my last three summers, uh, three summers uh, with the Rangers, I actually, you know, they didn't have intern programs on Wall Street then, but I was basically on an intern program with Bear Stearns, a, mm-hmm. a wonderful company that would um, brought a business in 2008. Um, but they were great. I had met a senior partner while I was playing, and he had asked me at one point. And then just going back a little bit, Steve, mm-hmm. when I first signed my contract, uh, I was with a, f- a management firm, and I remember sitting with a guy. Tom Brown was their account was the accountant, and mm-hmm. he was putting me on a budget. And he, at that point, encouraged me to think about life after hockey. Hmm. And I'm sure he had that conversation with everyone, and to, to varying degrees it re- resonated or it didn't. And it, but it did resonate with me. And I remember thinking, um, you know, a lot, particularly as my career would progress, that I wasn't going to be able to do this forever. And uh, as my family began to grow, um, I ended up working in kind of an intern program. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so what would happen then is when I would retire with Buffalo, uh, it wasn't that I was kicked out or asked to move on. I was able to make that decision on my own because I had some place to go. Right. Um, that After my first summer, Bear offered me a, a full-time job when I was done. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what I did. I went, um, and then I remember my first day, uh, on this, or my first paycheck, and I, and you know, I retired with two years left on a contract. In those days, was fairly. I was probably in the upper seventy percent of mm-hmm. wage earners in the league. And I remember looking at my first paycheck because I was on just a, um, a, a salary and right. you know, bonus sort of thing. And I'm like, oh boy, it's going to take some adjustment here. <laughs> but in fairness to Bear, the you know, they made made things work. And uh, and so I ended up working. That was my, you know, my second career, I suppose. I ended up 20 years in that business. And along the way, I stayed involved in the broadcasting end. And as you mentioned, I ended up the NHL on Fox. Mm-hmm. I was a studio host with James Brown. And when anybody needed somebody to work either TV or or radio, I would get a call. So I kept my foot kind of in the door there. And eventually the run in Wall Street for me would 
you know, run its course and coming out of the lockout in 04, uh, 05, end up um, with the MSG network. And, uh, and so like a lot of, uh, you know, this has been my third career in life that uh, has turned out um, being a long way from milking that one cow <laughs> in Lindsay, Ontario. <laughs> <laughs> and now, like you said, 15 years back with the MSG Networks family and obviously right. a, co- uh, a key part of it as well on the radio and television side. And mm-hmm. you've been mm-hmm. with the media. <clears throat> Your brother Don has been on the team sports, the team side of sports, general manager, scout, what right. have you. And, you know, has that aspect of the game ever interested you as well? <laughs> Yeah, always, yes. I mean, even the coaching, I was quite involved in the coaching with my um, kids mm-hmm. growing up in Connecticut mm-hmm. and the local uh, program that we're involved in. And I have just wonderful memories of that. And along the way, I had considered, but for me, Steve, I, perhaps I'm a little more of a creature of stability. Mm-hmm. You know, I need to you know. So taking a chance, unless I was. You know, as far as the coaching, the coaching would always interest me, but I, I didn't want to be at the whim of some general manager or owner after two years saying, okay, you're out. And uh, so I'd like to have a little more control of my uh, destiny. Mm-hmm. And um, and, the, and the business side of it has always, always intrigued me. Um, and, you know, but it just was never the kind of right circumstance uh, not that there were, not that AI pursued it, mm-hmm. nor were there, uh, whoever knows whether, how that would have turned out, but Don, certainly Don, he got into the hockey business right after, um, you know, he retired, <clears throat> started with, uh, Bill Torrey and the Islanders and ended up with the Rangers and Arizona and now he's with Calgary and, and, uh, he had, but at the end of the day, my family was never, never, you know, old enough where I could kind of, okay, they're, they're set. I had to be there, you know, help mm-hmm. have them, have them grow and, and the financial aspects. So, so there, um, yeah, so there was always an interest, but again, I don't look back and say, gosh, I wish I'd done this or if I wished I'd done that. I just look back and fond memories about all the different, you know, things that I've been able to do. Yeah, a lot of different aspects. Yeah, right. Yeah, so it's 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 been good. It's uh, uh, and we'll see. You know, hope moving forward now, I really like I really like what I do. I get an opportunity to do different things uh, with the network and uh, and I work with a really good group of guys. We're we're big enough that you know you can find an alliance, but we're not overly big where you get lost in numbers in our little crew. So mm-hmm. it's it's good. All right, so a captain needs to react and be good. So I'm going to throw out some rapid-fire questions for you. All right, cool. All right. Freight favorite road NHL arena? Um, favorite road NHL arena? I would say for an atmosphere, the all-around experience, yeah. believe it or not, might be Nashville. Okay. That's just a great vibe when that place gets going in there. Favorite road NHL city, the city? Um, probably Vancouver, because mm-hmm. being a, a bit of a gypsy wanderer, there's all <laughs> kinds of places to wander there. <laughs> <laughs> Best NHL press meal? Oh, that's a good one. Best NHL press, Chicago. Chicago? Yeah. Yep. Most, Chicago. most inspirational coach you've ever had? 
That might be John Ferguson, actually. Okay. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm going to say Fergie. Yep. Crossword puzzle or Sudoku? Crossword. Beach house or lake cottage? Um, probably beach house. Okay. Cupcake or ice cream? Cupcake. iPhone or Android? iPhone. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Cooking or cleaning? Cooking. Better superpower, flying or being invisible? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, flying. Flying. Massage or facial? Massage. Golf or tennis? Golf. Shake Shack or In-N-Out Burger? What was the first one, Steve? Shake Shack or In-N-Out I'll Burger? In-N-Out Burger. Beer or wine? Mm, beer. Damn, I... I had my money on that. You'd say both. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't know that was not. <laughs> oh, that one I was. That one I thought you just break the rules, knowing you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. All right, yeah. Dave. That was awesome, and well, I appreciate your time. Thanks, Steve, and it's a pleasure uh, to have gotten to know you over the years and your family. And uh, let's get this thing resolved and get back to work and uh, all that good stuff. I can't wait to see you at a hockey rink or a golf course soon, Dave. All right, buddy boy. Take care. All right, later. Well, from milking cows to captain of the New York Rangers, Dave Maloney has accomplished so much. You can really tell from that interview what an authentic person he is. I am so lucky to call him a colleague, and more importantly, a friend. I have no doubt there are many more stories that Dave can share with us sometime. Thanks again, Dave. Be sure to listen to the next episode of Mike Check on Sports, as we will sit down with one of the most renowned sports broadcasters, Kenny Albert. Take care. Brush your hair.